You know, I've been uh, reading uh, the just going through the Gospels over the past uh, past few uh, weeks, and uh, as I've been going through, I've just been recognizing some powerful words, some powerful words that were spoken uh, by by Jesus, and uh, I want to connect them this morning. The very beginning of this sermon, I'm going to connect them this morning to uh, the series that we're in. It's titled Game Over. Game Over. And the point of the series is this, is that we don't have to be victims in life. We, we don't have to be victims in life. God desires for us to be victorious. Can somebody say amen to that? And, and so there are some very powerful words that Jesus spoke. And I, I, I like to call them just, they're like game over words. For example, when Jesus was with the disciples and they woke him up uh, one time and he was in, a bo- in the boat and he was sleeping in the boat and there was a storm and the disciples were freaking out. And, and so Jesus got up and he spoke to the storm. And guess what happened to the storm? It was game over for that storm. Aren't you thankful that Jesus has authority over storms, natural storms, but also spiritual storms and physical storms? Aren't you thankful for that? And then, then there was uh, the, the gentleman, um, uh, as you probably know, if you've been around here a little bit, you know that Sandy and I love cruises. We like to go on cruises. And one of the things we do like to do is go on the excursions. And sometimes when you get off the, but most of the times when you get off the boat, they're this welcoming committee. You know, they're, they're like tourist people and you can take your picture with them. You, you know what I'm talking about? Some of those people are scary looking. They will freak you out. You know, like, no, I don't want to take a picture with you. So anyway, and so there's these committees, you know, they, I call them the welcoming committee. And so, so one day Jesus was, uh, got off a boat and he was on a, just, just landed on a, uh, on, on land because that's what you do in a boat. You float and then you point is you get to land and so jesus got off the boat and there he had a welcoming committee and it was a a demoniac he was demon possessed man he had lots of demons in him i don't know about you but i I wouldn't want one in me (laughs) but he had lots of them and and so uh jesus uh set that man free he spoke to those demonic spirits and it was game over aren't you thankful that there's authority over darkness amen game over for for those and then there was the time that jesus went to the pool of bethesda and and jesus went in there there was a man that had been crippled for many years and jesus went over and spoke to him and said do you want to be healed and he said yeah i just need some help And jesus said no you don't need help getting in this pool what you need is me to say something to you and jesus did he said something to him and the man immediately got strength in his legs and uh, he was set free from the the bondage of that physical bondage that he was in so again it was a game over moment can you thank god for some game over words that are spoken by god and by jesus and then i think the not i think i believe the most powerful the most powerful words that were spoken the most relevant to us took place in john 1930 jesus is hanging on the cross He's hanging on a cross and he's, he's been there for a little bit and gone through a series of, of just very, very just torture. And his body was racked and he was, his body was destroyed and he was, his, his, just, his soul was, his body and his soul both were just absolutely uh, in, in turmoil. In John 19.30, Jesus said again some more game over moments, more game over words, I should say. When he re- received the drink, this is Jesus saying it. Speaking here, Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. The, the, the phrase there, it is finished, it is a, it's a, it's, it is a very, um, it's really an amazing phrase. It's amazing words that came from Jesus because it's an accounting term that literally means paid in full. 
means paid in full. And so when Jesus hung on that cross and he uttered those words, it is finished. Those words were game over words for me and you. Because when Jesus uttered those words, it is finished, meaning it is paid in full. What he was saying was this, was that the sins of you for humanity are paid for. The good news is this. The good news is that when Jesus uttered those words, it was game over for our sins, ladies and gentlemen. It was game over for the past so, so that we wouldn't have to live uh, in bondage to our past. We wouldn't have to live in bondage to our mistakes anymore. It was a game over moment when Jesus uttered those words, it is finished. Is there anybody in this house this morning that's thankful that Jesus uttered those words, it is finished? (laughs) Well, some of you are, some of you not quite sure because you're like, I don't know what that means to me. It is finished. With his sins are painful, there's a doorway that was open for relationship with God. So again, no longer do we have to be a victim because of your sins You don't have to be caught up in the past anymore, but you can be free. Is anybody excited about being free this morning? There's a statement that someone said that I really love. Forgiveness is not achieved, it's received. Forgiveness is not achieved, it is what? It's received. In other words, you can't do enough to uh, do enough good things to get God to forgive you. You can't achieve that. The only way you receive forgiveness is to do just that. You just receive it and accept that. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, but thanks be to God who always leads us captive in Christ's victory parade. When Jesus uttered the phrase, uttered the words, it is finished, that included us in a victory parade. Come on now. That's still happening today. It's still going on today. All right. And so the question is this, here's the question that I want to pose to you this morning. Why then do we live as if Jesus never made our game over declaration? That's the question. So Jesus uttered the words, uttered the phrase, it is finished. Well, if he uttered those words, which he did, we don't question that. Then why do we live as though he never uttered them? The answer is, is that we, that, that we keep dealing, let me just say this, because we keep dealing with what Jesus has already dealt with, and that is our past. In other words, over and over and over, I've been pastoring for 27 years now. I know I don't look that old, but I've been pastoring for 27 years, and I see Christians all of the time, all of the time, they, they live as if Christ never declared those words about them. And the reason I can see that is they stay stuck in the past. And it's like they never can break free from the past. The title of this message this morning is called One Thing. It's called One Thing. Would you use your imagination just for a moment? Let's go back in time. How many has got an imagination? Anybody in the house got imagination? Uh, Some of you are like, I don't think I have one. All right, let me ask you this. How many in the house can worry? <laughs> Anybody here that can worry? <laughs> Some of you are like, ah, I know where you're going with this. Because if you can worry, you have an imagination. Because that's what worry is, imagining the worst possible case scenarios. And that's what worry is. 
But I want to use your imagination. Let's go back to the first century, all right? Let's go back to the first century. Let's go back to a place called Rome. And so we're going to visit Rome, first century. We're not going to go to the Colosseum. I know you guys probably want to go check the Colosseum out, but we're not going to go there. What we're going to do is we're going to go to another place. We're going to go to a prison. And you're like, no, let's not go there. But we want to go to this prison because we want to go visit a gentleman, a man that's legendary in the faith. His name is Paul. Paul is in prison. We're going there to visit him. And the reason that we're going to go visit him is because we want to ask him, we want to ask him a question. We want to sit down and we want to talk with him uh, about something. We want to get some wisdom from him. I mean, because Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, raised some people from the dead. You know, I think I'd listen to a guy like that. Anybody here that would go, yeah, I'd probably listen to Paul if I could sit down and talk with him. Well, let's go there in our imagination. Let's sit down and let's ask him this question. Let's ask him, Paul, if there was one thing that would help us move forward in life, what would it be? If there was one thing, if there was one thing, Paul, that would help us move forward in life, to help us get out of the rut that we're in, the rut of the past, what would that be? And I think he would say, okay, let me just take a break here. I'm just writing a letter to the church of Philippi. I'm just going to put that down for now, and I'm going I'm to answer the one thing. But there's something you need to know about Paul. Paul was a preacher, so he's not going to get just right to the point. <laughs> he's not going to do that. He's not going to get right to the point. He said, all right, I got three points. Got three points. So let's go through the three points that we believe that Paul would give us as we're sitting in that cell with him. As we've asked him the question, what's one thing, Paul, that would help us get over the hump that we're stuck on, the past that we seem to stay in? And I think the first thing he would give us is, is number one, his story. Because he's a preacher and he's going to, he wants to tell his story. And, and so a little bit of the backstory about Paul is that, that he was not one of the original followers of Christ. Although he was an apostle, he wasn't one of the original followers of Christ. He, he was actually born into and part of a group that opposed Jesus every step of the way when Jesus was uh, on the earth. When he walked on the earth and he had the original 12 with him, there was a group of people that, that absolutely opposed him all the time. They were the Pharisees and Paul was part of that group. And Paul was a great Pharisee. He was good at what he did. And matter of fact, he was on a mission one day and he's telling us his story. And he said, I'm on a mission one day. I'm, I'm, I'm persecuting Christians. And because we don't, we don't believe in this Jesus stuff when we believe that it's all a hoax. So I'm, I'm, I'm working really hard to, to stomp and put all these Christian fires out because we don't want it to spread too much. And he says, so I'm riding along one day and all of a sudden, just like, bam, around lunchtime, it was boom. I was about ready to stop and eat my ham sandwich and then... Well, no, he was a Jew. He didn't eat ham sandwich. (laughs) Peanut butter and jelly. Come on now. He's about ready to stop me. He's peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And all of a sudden, bam, light, uh, bright light. He hits the ground and then he's disoriented. And all of a sudden he hears these words in the words of Jesus. And Jesus says to him in Acts 9, 5 through 6, this is uh, Paul, I mean, Saul then. He said, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And this is the word, this is, these are the words that he heard. He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. He replied, talking about Jesus. Jesus saying this, he's telling his story. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. So Paul's going to look at us and he was going to say, you know what? When that bright light hit and I heard the word of Jesus talking to me. So I learned three things that day. I learned three things. The first thing that I learned was Jesus is alive. Because he would say, you know, then among the Jews, he said, we didn't believe that Jesus was alive. We believed it was a hoax. But that day I really understood something. I figured out, I found out that Jesus really is alive. Is there anybody in this room that's thankful that Jesus really is alive? Oh, man, so thankful. The next thing that he's, he would look at us and he said, you know what else I learned? 
He said, I, I, learned, I learned that there is a real connection between people who confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and Jesus. In other words, there is a real connection. Everybody look at me. Look at me. You are connected to Jesus right now. You are connected to God right now. There is a connection to you that is a supernatural connection, ladies and gentlemen, that should, should, should cause us to say, you know what? I'm not going to wait. I don't have to wait to get to heaven to get to know Jesus. I can get to know Jesus right now because I'm connected to him. I can have a personal relationship with him. And maybe he would look at you and me and he would say, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And the third, thing that, that he would, the third thing that he would tell us is he would say, you know what else I learned that day? I learned that, that God's got a purpose for my life. I learned that, that I wasn't here. I wasn't, I wasn't on this earth just to fill space and do whatever I wanted to do. That, that God had a real purpose for my life. And he would look at us and he would say, you know why? That's my story. Maybe he would look at us and he would ask us and he would go, what's yours? ask you a question. When's the last time that you told somebody your story? Never underestimate the power of your story. Never underestimate the power of your story and what God has done in your life. Never better amen than that. Amen. Next thing he would talk with us about is this shift that took place. He talked to us about this shift that took place in his life. So, you know, I, 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 was, I was just rolling through life and, and, and I was, it was doing what I knew to do. But he said, after that day I met Jesus, there was this major shift in my life. He said, well, Paul, what was that shift? What, what are you talking about, Paul? And he, he would say something like this. He would, he would say, uh, being, he would say I, went, I shifted from being right with God based on my performance to being right with God based upon Jesus' performance. Said this way. He said, There's something that shifted in my life that, that I, before I worked so hard to be accepted by God. But today I realize that I don't have to work to be accepted by God because my acceptance by God is not based on what I do. My acceptance by God is based on what Jesus has done for me. And then he would say, Whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. I was just writing to the church of Philippi. Let me just read to you what I was writing to them. He would pick up this scroll, his parchment. He would, he would thumb through the papers and he would go, yeah, yeah, here, here. I just wrote this to the church at Philippi. He says, more than that, I, I now regard all things as liabilities compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all, all things. Indeed, I regard them as dung. Some of you right now are going, what does dung mean? Google it. So... That I may gain Christ, watch this, watch this, and be found in him, watch this, now, uh, excuse me, not because I have my own righteousness, my own acceptance derived from the law, but because I have the righteousness that comes by the way of Christ's faithfulness. Listen, a righteousness or an acceptance from God that is in fact based on Christ's faithfulness. Everybody listen to me. This is the bedrock of Christianity. This is the bedrock of Christianity. So, so, so this shift that Paul's talking to us about in this prison cell, 
This shift is not just for Paul alone. It's a shift for, for, for us as well. Some of you know my story. I've shared it quite often here. And that, that is that, that I, I grew up in a, in a church culture that really majored on pointing out what was wrong. Did any of you go to that same church? <laughs> you know, it just seemed like every time I went to church, it was like, it was like you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. And, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't, if you don't turn, you're going to what? Burn. If you don't get right, you're going to get what? Left. I mean, they had all these little sayings. In it, and I would come to church hoping, hoping that I would get an answer. But I didn't get an answer. It seems like, seemed like the, 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 what I really got was more of what I was doing wrong, heaping more condemnation on me and driving me further down to the point where it was just like, I'm, I'm hopeless. They would say things like, you don't need to think bad thoughts. And then when I would leave, guess what I would do? Think bad thoughts. You don't need to say bad words. You're going to go to hell if you say bad words. And, you know, you might. Like, I love Alabama. I don't know if God's mercy will ever. Never mind. I'm just ruining a good sermon. Say, don't say bad words. And what would I do? I would leave. And by Tuesday, those bad words would show back up. Then one day I, I, I got a phone call. I went to Desert Storm and, and, and I got these cassette tapes. I think my mom put them in there. That's the only way they could have gotten in there. Honestly. Can I say to you parents, every parent listen to me. When, 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 you're, when your kids, not if, but when your kids start acting weird, and they will, if they hadn't already done it, they will. And they start, they start saying, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. Whatever. Don't, don't fight with them. Fight for them. Pray for them. Stand with them. Amen. And just keep, keep watering the seeds that you planted, you know, in their hearts and their life. And, and, and you know, you got to be sly sometimes. Like my mom, she, she put these cassettes in there. Everybody, anybody know what cassettes are? How many believe cassettes are coming back in the name of Jesus, right? And I put them in my Walkman. You, don't, you, you young folks don't even know what a Walkman is. I'm not even going to go there. I was high tech. Had my earphones. The pre-runner to earbuds, wired. We didn't have wireless then. I would put them in, and I would, I, I would hear, I would would hear scriptures like this: Second Corinthians five twenty-one. This preacher preaching about not, not what I wasn't, but what I was. Not what I couldn't do, but what I could do. And remember him t- preaching on messages like this: Second Corinthians five twenty-one. For Christ never sinned, but God treated him as a sinner so that, so that Christ could make us acceptable to God. I heard scriptures like that. And there began to be a shift in John's life. I began to notice this shift that began to realize that religion will train me to act right. But a relationship will transform me. Religion will train me, and it didn't do a good job. But a relationship will transform me. It will change me. I began to notice that, you know what? I didn't, have to, I didn't have, to have to go to church. I didn't have to read the Bible. I didn't have to pray. I wanted to pray. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to hear truth. Instead of trying to appease God, I began to please him because I, I learned that I could live by faith. 
instead of bondages, never could get it right. Finally, I started having some freedom. Instead of flirting with sin, I realized that I could, I could forsake it. Instead of being a consumer, I decided that I could chose that I could be a life giver. I quit looking for a good church. And I want to be a part of building a great church. question is this, have, have, you, have you made that choice? I'm not bragging. I'm just talking about what Paul said. But have you made that shift? Or are you still trying to earn acceptance with God? So then Paul, he would finally get to his one thing. <laughs> He's like, okay, that was my introduction. And so we're in the room with him. We're in that cell. And he says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm about to give you that one thing. That I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to give you the answer that you came for. And we're all leaning in. And we're like, okay, one thing. We're ready. And he would pick up the papers again. He said, you know, I just wrote to the church of Philippi. Here's your answer. Brothers, I do not count myself having attained, but this one thing I do. This one thing I do. And he says, all right. <laughs> All right, TDP folks, you traveled a long ways to get here, so here's the one thing. Forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the, of the prize of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. And I think, I think he would look at us and he would, we would say, that's it, Paul? The one thing is just forgetting the past? So that we could press on towards the future. He would say yeah. Yeah that's, 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 that's the one thing. Because when you. Determine. That you're going to put the past where it belongs. It's game over. It's, it's when you determine that you're going to keep the past where it belongs. It's game over as far as you being stuck where you are and where you've been stuck for the past 10 years. It's game over in, in, in holding in the same, uh, staying in that same holding pattern. It's game over because when you determine that you're going to put the past where it belongs, then you, that's when you're going to step into the future of what God has for you. So practically... How do we do this? <laughs> how, do you, how do you do this? Well, I call it the Piccadilly process. Any Piccadilly fans in the house? <laughs> I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid, that was my favorite restaurant. We didn't get to go out very much. I mean, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't get to go out very, very often. So there were times that mom and dad, I'm the oldest of three boys, and mom and dad say, all right, everybody get in the car. We're, we're going out to eat, and we're, you know, we're a little bitty. We're like this tall, and we're excited because we're going to go get in the car. We know where we're going. We're going to pick a dilly. I mean, it was big town, a big time for us to go to pick a dilly. There are no pick a dilly people in this house. 
And so, so we, we, are, we are excited. We can't wait. We, we can't go. We can't wait to get to Piccadilly because when we got to Piccadilly, well, the thing I loved about Piccadilly is that, that you got your tray. How many remember the tray? You got your tray. You put it up on the little slide bars. You know what I'm talking about? It was like, it was your little kid. You looked down, you looked down the buffet, you know, and it looked like it went on forever. It was just like forever. And so you, you, you put your tray, you put your utensils on there and you started sliding the tray down the pick. And I'll never forget this. I'm about this tall and I'm looking over and all I can see is food everywhere. And so mom and dad says, just whatever you want. We're at Piccadilly, whatever you want. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just sliding it down, going down, sliding down, sliding down. And I'll say, I'm going to pass the beets. I'm going to pass up on the turnip greens. Now, now I'm going back to the turnip greens. Got a little older. I, I got, I'm, I'm smart now. But, but then I'm passing the turnip greens. I'm, I, macaroni and cheese, I want some macaroni and cheese. Right? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass over the baked fish because I want some fried chicken. Somebody say amen for some fried chicken, Right? I want some fried chicken. I don't want anything baked. I want fried stuff. I want some fried. And then you, you get down to the desserts. And how many can say, thank you, Jesus, for some green jello? <laughs> green jello. I loved it. Man, I was as a kid. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm like, I want to get through the other stuff because I can't wait to get to the green jello. I don't want just one green jello. I want two green jellos. Loved it. I loved it. And here's what I loved about the Piccadilly and the process is that I could take what I wanted and I left the rest. The same thing is true about our past. You need to take what you want and leave the rest. Because everything is not bad. Everything in your past is not bad. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 46, 9 says, remember what happened long ago. In other words, don't forget what happened long ago. And I'm running out of time here, so I've got to move kind of fast. So there's some things about your past that you want to take. One is the things that will keep you thankful. When you think about your past, you look at your past, you want to make sure that you're focused on the things that keep you what? Thankful. Thank you, Father, that I'm saved. Thank you that I'm born again. Thank you that for this moment in time when you were faithful. Thank you for this moment in time when you were faithful. Thank you for this time that it looked impossible, but God, you came through. You, you, need, you, need, to, you need to hold on to those times and be thankful for those times. But, but, but you also need, to, y'all, you also need to, to, to take things that will make you wiser. Because some things you walk through in your past and that, that, that you, you don't want to just leave them there. You want to extract wisdom from it. Now, you want to leave the rest, but extract the wisdom from that. Proverbs 3.13 says, blessed are those who find wisdom. Find wisdom. Find wisdom. Find the wisdom in your past and what? Leave the rest. And so there are some good things. There are some good things. There are some good things in our past that, that we need to take and we need to hold on to. Amen. But, but there are some parts of our past that we need to leave behind. You say, John, Pastor John, what, what part is that? And here's the part that we need to leave behind. It's the part that robs us of our future. We need to leave that behind. The part that robs us of our future, leave that. The tray, pass it right by. See, what part do we need to leave behind? It's the part that robs us of our future. Now, some of you are going to just go, I don't know if I agree with you on this point that you're about to make. But if you don't believe it now, when we get to heaven, God's going to tell you that I was right. 
Everybody, we need to leave. We need to leave the good times. Some good times. We need to leave them on them and keep them where they belong. One of the greatest barriers of your future isn't what the enemy did to you. Sometimes it's what God did for you. Listen. One of the greatest barriers of your future isn't what the enemy did to you. It's what God did for you. Because often what happens is that we want to camp out in those good times and we want to stay right there and we want to keep it just like it was. Everybody look at me. It's just not possible. I'm going to challenge you with this. I'll say this too. Where is your faith? Where's your faith? Do you think in those moments and those times, do you think that's all God had for you? Where's your faith? Where is your faith? Because sometimes we want to camp out and stay in those places where, 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 where it's just, well, it was so good. But, 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 but here's what we need to learn. Don't worship the moment, worship the source. Say it this way. Don't worship the season, worship what? The Source. Sometimes we begin to worship those seasons and we begin to worship those moments. And that becomes, that season becomes our focus of worship. But the reality is we don't need to worship that season, the times when it was so great and it was so God good and God was moving in our life. God was moving here. God was moving there. We don't need to worship that season. We need to worship the what? The source. And trust and believe that he's got more. And somebody may have a better amen than that. I need a better amen than that. Thank you for helping your pastor. If you always judge your future by your past, you'll never experience anything new. To wrap up this morning, the part that we need to leave behind is the part that affects your identity. It's how God sees you. Part you need to you need to leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. It's like beats. Now, if you're a beat fan, that might not fit. That might not work for you, that example. Just, just, you just got to leave that. It's the part that affects our identity. One of my greatest joys is seeing people accept God's view of them. I, I just, it's like drugs for me. When, when, it, when I see people begin to recognize and discover how God sees them, their identity, how God sees them. It's, it's and begin to move in their life. It's just absolutely incredible for me. When they begin to believe that they're not the sum total of all their mistakes and shortcomings, when they believe that, they stop believing that they are sum total of all their mistakes and shortcomings, when they begin to get set free from that, that is just like drugs for me. It's intoxicating. When they begin to live out, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Most of the time as a pastor, what I'm describing is people getting that and they they're, 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 they discover their identity and how God sees them and they begin to trust that above their past and above the way that they feel. 
about themselves. But they begin to trust that, you know, God sees me as someone special. God sees me as someone that has, got, he's, has a plan for their life. God sees me as someone that doesn't have to be a victim but can be victorious. And they begin to trust that. And they begin to own that. They begin to take that and it begins to shift the way that they think. There's a, like a switch that goes off in their soul. For me, most of the time it's a process. And I'm okay with the process. But then there are those moments. There have been those moments where it was just like that. I get to see it. I've told this story several times. And the reason I've told it several times is it was just such, made such an impact in my life. Talking about the things you need to leave are the things that affect the way God sees you. Your mistakes. Seasons of the past. I got through preaching one night. Excuse me, one morning. Uh, and I was preaching on 2 Corinthians 5.17. We were living in Scotland. And in this message that I preached, I made the statement that there are no accidents with God. I said, with God, there, there are no accidents. And after the service, this little lady came up to me. Her name was Marie. She had such a beautiful accent. It's probably, I'm not even going to guess her age because that's dangerous. She was close to my age, I think. And Marie came up to me and she, in that Scottish accent, she said, I'm not going to try to, I'll mess it up. She said, Pastor, that was a great message. I said, thank you, Marie. I'm glad it blessed you. Glad it touched your life. And then she said, um, but you were wrong on one point. Oh, really, Marie? <laughs> In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, what did I say? Did I say something wrong? Did, I, she, misunderstand, did she misunderstand something that I, that I said? What, what's up? In my mind. But I've just got my pastor face on, just smiling as I listen to her. And then I said, Marie, you're going to have to help me. I don't, understand what you're, I don't understand what you mean. And she said, Pastor, um, my mom and dad that raised me, uh, they were married. And my mom had what? we would call a, a one-night stand with another man. And she said, I'm the result of that one-night stand. And so she said, Pastor, I'm an accident. To be quite honest with you, as she's telling a story, I knew where the story was going. I knew where it was going. And on the inside, I was praying, God, help me. Help me. What am I going to tell this lady? And right at the end, right as she's finishing, the last words were coming out of her mouth. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, tell her this. So when she stopped, I said, Marie, are you born again? She said, yes, you know I am. Yes, I love Jesus. I've accepted him as my Savior. I said, Marie, then God wants you to hear this. God wants you to know this. Your first birth, that's, that's not the one that counts. God because regardless of how you were conceived regardless of how you were conceived we're all born into sin so the way that you were conceived were beyond your control I said Marie what counts is the second birth that's the one that matters I'll never forget this she had tears 
when she's telling me her story. She had tears when she got through with this moment. But they weren't tears of shame and they weren't tears of sadness. They were tears of joy. Because she smiled real big, tears in her eyes. And she said, Pastor, I never saw it that way. At that moment, she, she did the Piccadilly process. She said, I'm going to leave the circumstances that I had no control over. My past, I'm going to leave that. And I'm going to grab who God says that I am. And I'm going to believe that. What are you holding on to do? What are you holding on to today? What are you holding on to today? Because the one thing, the one thing that God's saying this morning, the one thing is this. Turn loose of your past. It's a choice. It's a choice. Turn loose of your past so you can experience what God has for you in the future. That's what God's saying.